Woo, that was a good prayer, and what a good time of worship today, right? So we had one more announcement, that um, too, that this is kind of spontaneous, but Judy actually texted, Judy Ball texted me early this morning, and um, they have, uh, Judy and Jerry Ball, you know, they're major intercessors. They really want a time to pray for Buck Bumgarner, um, who is Rhonda Bumgarner's husband. She usually stands right up here. She's part of the women's ministry, been here with us since the beginning, but her husband is in the hospital. Um, he is on a respirator, ventilator, yeah, um, from COVID. So we really want to cry out to the Lord for him tonight. That's going to be at six o'clock. Judy and Jerry will lead it. Byron, I'll be here helping them with that. So if you feel called to come stand in faith and to intercede, please join us tonight. Okay. Um, so, wow, I already feel full, don't y'all? I mean, it's amazing. Um, the Lord, it was amazing to me, the songs this morning, because they went so much along with um, what I feel like God has been speaking to me over the last few weeks. And um, I'm going to put my cell phone back here so it won't be in the way. Don't let me forget it, Byron, when we go home. Okay. <laughs> so, um, just want to look at y'all for a minute. Y'all are, you know, the God's people are beautiful. You know that? Just, you, you shine. We, the Bible says we shine brighter and brighter to the noonday, right? So um, I just wanted to do that for a minute when I stood up up here. And I feel like a Pentecostal holding this, but I'm going to put that back there too because I am a Pentecostal. Somehow I've made my way from being raised Baptist <laughs> into the Pentecostal. I mean, I like full-blown now. I mean, it's like... <laughs> It's great. So I grew up singing as gospel singers, and we went to Pentecostal churches a lot. And a lot of times I was scared. But, but you know, I guess the Lord was preparing me. And I think I've told y'all before that I actually got saved under a Pentecostal woman's preaching when I was nine years old. And it was powerful. I still remember it today. Um, it felt like the walls were, it felt smoky in the room. That's how heavy the presence was. And uh, she was a young woman. She had a beehive hairdo. And, you know, and she, oh, man, I was nine years old and felt conviction and went home and asked my pastor to baptize me. Isn't that great? So I just praised God. In fact, the Lord spoke to me recently about the Pentecostal holiness movement. Uh, I believe it's coming again. I believe the fire's coming with holiness. It's coming again. So just just be on the watch for that, okay? So, woof, amen. Mm. Let's just—I just feel fire in the room. Let's just take that for a minute, Lord. We just receive that Pentecostal holiness fire, Lord. That's Lord is your spirit, Lord. You didn't leave us abandoned, Lord. You left us your spirit. May we always honor and cherish your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, recently, the reason I'm up here today is first because Byron asked me to preach. <laughs> and I agreed because the Lord had actually been speaking to me a few things. Um, and I also had dreamed that he had asked me to preach in January. So um, I was actually supposed to be here this morning and uh, worshiping and praise God. We have great worship leaders that can 
jump in and do all kinds of things like they do, right? <laughs> so it's great. But the three things I just want to tell you separately that the Lord has spoken to me recently, and they were all in different places and different events that have led to this message today, um, was um, one time in a, in a dream, um, and these are all around his love, and which is interesting because that's not really been on my scope but I guess it's on God's scope. So um, in a dream, I actually saw a book that I read many years ago, and it was by a guy named Sound Storms, and I saw the cover of the book, and I was actually in a seminar studying this book, and the name of the book is The Singing God. And that's really about how God delights in us to the point that he sings over us. Um, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. So I got the book and I read it and I thought, yeah, this is good. I, you know, it, it still has not, I think there's a message coming on that. Yeah, this is not the message today, but I do, that comes from Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord, thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy and he will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Isn't that good? There's one version that says he will quiet us in his love. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a daddy taking a child on his lap and holding him. And in his love, there's a, you know, he's, he gets quiet because he's so filled with love. Isn't that amazing? I did learn that in that book. That was really good. So the next thing, and, and this is kind of not in order, but I did want to tell you last week, um, um, I was waking up and I heard clearly the Lord say, you know, I'm a loving God. And it was just out of the blue. I'm not meditating on love or anything of the love of God or any of that, but I just heard out of the blue that I'm a loving God. And I knew that what he was saying to me is I act on my love. I'm not just a distant God. I'm not just this God up here. I'm actually a God that loves. He actually has acts of love toward us. Um, and so, but, and then the third thing that the Lord has spoken to me, this is really interesting all around his love, is one morning during a Wednesday morning prayer, during intercession, they're always, the group's always really faithful to pray for Byron and I. And that morning, they had gathered around me and were praying for Byron and I and speaking of us. And I heard as clear as a bell, this word is hest. And it's spoken different, and it's a Hebrew word. And, um, and the word is actually probably not pronounced hest. It's probably hased, or I can't, it's, I'm not sure, but hased or something like that. And if Dean, is Dean in the room? I don't think he is, but... Anyway, that was the word, and I knew, it was crazy, I think, I know this word, and I knew it had something to do with covenant, God's covenant heart toward us, and I remembered it being back, I finally, finally placed where I had heard this word, it was back when Byron and I, before we were in ministry, I used to do Bible studies every week at a church, and a lot of Kay Arthur Bible studies, and there's a one particular that she does, it's on the covenants. And it's really a great study. It's really an action overview of the whole Bible. And this is one of the words that she brings out in those scriptures is the word test. And really what that word means is it's a God's loyal love to us. I mean, it means a lot of things. It's used over 250 times in scripture. And, uh, and that's really what I want to talk about today. 
I felt like that's uh, the one thing that's really just stuck out to me right now. And so I got myself together this week and studied it. And um, it's really this morning as we were singing, I felt like I just had whole new revelation of the nature of God. Because really this word is really more about his nature. It's, it's, it's the very nature of who he is, is his loyal faithfulness to his people. And we can really see God really, you know, I've said this a lot. The story, the Bible is a story of God's covenant relationship to his people, which now we all have been grafted in by the blood of Jesus. And so it's really, it's really his story of his heart to man. And I, I think sometimes we, for me, it's like I, I get this uh, theory concept of God's love. And it's, it's not always experiential for me. It's, and I know he loves me. But to actually be able to see through this word that he, his very nature has coveted, he has a covenant with us in his love and his faithfulness to us. And that's really what I want to, you know, I always think of the scripture of Ephesians three fourteen through 19. And I think until we're really able to grasp what the scripture says about God's love and his faithfulness to us, I love this definition of it, his loyal love. That's really one definition of it. And I'll give you a few more later, but his loyal love to us that doesn't stop. It doesn't quit. No matter where we are in life, it just remains steady for us. And it's not because of something we do. It's because of the very nature of God. It's who he is. We can't really run away from that. Um, I think of that song, His Love Never Fails, as another definition. His unfailing love. It doesn't fail us. And we, in order to really go on and be really grounded and rooted, we really need to understand more of His nature and who He is and why He loves. He's just, it's just, it's who He is. He, he just cannot do anything different. Um, so this scripture, Ephesians three fourteen through 19, I think we have read this here so many times. Um, did I give you that one? Okay. It's coming up. For this reason, this is Paul, I bend my knees before the Father. From every family in heaven on earth derives its name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, height, and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And here's what's so important, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. So the bottom line is, is we really None of us can really, the way we come into fullness is really coming into more revelation and awareness of who God is by nature and why he loves, understanding that, and not only that, but experiencing his love. I mean, it's so important that we get, to, we experience his love, but this is, I hope this today will help us. It really did help me, um, the word has said, has the, it says this, has been translated as mercy, loving kindness, goodness, 
steadfast love, unfailing love, loyal love, faithful love. Those are all. But the truth of the matter is, when you really read up on it, they say nobody, the, there's really nowhere, anywhere that anybody describes it well. Because I believe it's because only God has this. And it's really to describe God. It really is. It's, it's really difficult for us as humans to even, but that's really why Paul was praying this prayer, is that, Lord, give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we really can come in to really know in the very nature of God toward his people. So, amen. Um, I, I see it, you know, I see it as this covenant commitment to us that he will not let go. He will not let go of us. And there's so much comfort in that. I mean, like, I mean, like, Things get us off. Things get us out of tune with God. We get where we don't feel him, we don't see him, we don't hear him. But this is the thing that we can feel comfort and secure in when we don't see him working, when we don't, is that we know that he is a committed, loyal lover to us. He's not going anywhere. I love that. And I just want to, it gives us such a, it gives me confidence to, you know, because of the ups and downs of life. But I want to give you this. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It always involves action on behalf of someone who is in need. Isn't that good? And a loyal love and devotion that inspires compassionate behavior toward others. And I said this before, it's found over 250 times in the Old Testament. It expresses an essential part of God's character, and I think this is really important today, that we understand this is essential to who our God is, this word has said. All these definitions that are vague, but they are who he is. They're essential to him. And, um, and it's the core idea that this term communicates loyalty or faithfulness within a relationship. And the cool thing about it is we see all through scriptures, not only through the Old Testament, God being faithful to his people, but we also see it within relationships. And I believe, I think one of the things I love about studying Hebrews or Jewish culture is I think they really do understand a lot more than we Gentiles because it's been handed down through the ages you know, and that's really why God chose a people to demonstrate who he is and how he interacts with people. He chose a specific people for that reason, but it wasn't just for them. It was for the whole world. And, I, and that's the thing I believe about the Hesed is it's, all, it's 250 times through the Old Testament. What do you think? And I, I believe it was just part of nature there. I mean, part of really understanding. So it spilled over into relationships. They understood God's nature. So Hesed was actually going on between them. And I think for believers, I understand that to be what we call koinonia. Where we have this bond of the spirit that comes from his spirit. And we really love one another because of that, and because it's the heart of God, the Spirit of God, we actually are, we feel a loyal love to one another and to our neighbors, right? And I believe it's the nature of God. Has said, I believe that's really what it is. So, 
Um, I want to go through just, there's a few declarations in Scripture. Exodus 34, 5 through 7. This is where um, Moses stood before the Lord and proclaimed him. Um, The Lord descended into the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the Lord by name. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. There it is. Keeping loyal love. There it is. For thousands and forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin. There it goes. And it's like, there, there it is, a set. You see, that's, there it is from the very get-go. We're seeing that in the Lord. I did, I did want to go on to the other part. I think I stopped there. Okay. And then we see it repeated in Psalm 86, 5. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, has said. And this is really cool in the Psalm 136. You know that psalm that every line is repeated? Uh, every verse, give thanks to God of the heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. That's that psalm where every, they say something about the Lord and then they repeat that. I'm not going over it. But every one of those are said. God's loyal love. Isn't that amazing? And so I, I'm just like, Lord, help us get steeped in this, that we know your faithfulness, and we know how loyal you are to us, and how you, you never, you said you would never leave or forsake us, and that we would come into a greater understanding of this commitment and this covenant that we actually have with God. Is that not incredible to really think about? We don't have a God that's going to walk off on us. This finicky, like the, these gods that these other people served or do serve. They have they're these other, these religions where they have these finicky gods. One day they're like this. That's what, remember what Elijah said. Is your God finicky today? When he was calling down fire on the altar, that's what he was saying. You got to finicky, they're finicky today. They just don't feel like it. They're taking a nap. But we don't have a God like that. We have a faithful God. What a faithful God. We, he's faithful in every way. Every way. He doesn't desert us. He doesn't abandon us. He even sent his spirit to say, I will not abandon you. I'm with you. I stay closer than a friend, closer than a brother. Amen. Mm. One of my favorite scriptures, and I think I did have you to put this up, is Isaiah 5410. I love this, and I think we all do. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my hasset, loving kindness, will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Amen. Lamentations three nineteen through twenty three. I don't know if I gave you that or not. I'm kind of are you dead? I'm okay. <laughs> These are some of my favorite verses um, because in a really difficult time in mine and Byron's life. These were scriptures that really God brought to us. We were in a terrible situation. Um, we had loss in our life. We had failure in our life. And one day I read this scripture and it just turned me around. And so it's just near to me and dear to me because I believe it. 
And God's been faithful to us since as the years have gone by. And he's redeemed so many things from that moment that we were in in life. And um, it says, remember my affliction and my wandering. Now, this is, you know, Jeremiah's in a horrible time. Israel's in a mess. I mean, it is famine. It's, it's, it's just a total breakdown. You got So, but here is what he says in the middle of it. And this is a thing that we need to remember as the people of God that are in a country that's struggling. We can't be people that feel like we're begging God. We have a faithful God. He's not asleep. He is not sleeping. He is awake. And he hears us. Amen, Mama, over there. So remember my afflictions. Don and Linda were with us through that time, by, by the way, when we were going through our most difficult. There were leaders in our church at that time when we were young. Mm. And to have a body around you, you know, when you're going through difficult things, there's nothing like that. That's Hesed. That's what that is. It's a loving kindness that comes to us. And I just want to say this to y'all. We have it with each other, but a lot of people out there don't. When things come your way and you know they're not like, we've had a young man this week we've been crying out for. His name's Chris, along with Buck. And he's mid-40s on a respirator, young children. We've been crying out, you know, because we don't know if they have someone or not that's crying out. But that's Hesed. Hey, wonderful. And I could, okay, I could start preaching a whole nother message on church right there, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> because church is really important for this very reason. Remember my afflictions and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. And this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's has said, loving kindness, indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Is, aren't, they, aren't they just, whew, do they not just hold you steady? It's like a stake in the ground every morning when we get up. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So one of the greatest books that I think we will ever see, of course, it's all through the scriptures where we see said demonstrated is in the book of Ruth. Um, it's, you know, the book of Ruth is, an overview just quick is, Ruth um, is a Moabitess. She's not from Israel. She marries into an Israeli family. And that family, uh, no, when they, they had to migrate. Let me just start with Naomi. Naomi, okay, and her husband, who are Israelites, migrated to another country because of famine in Israel. And both of their sons, Mary, went foreign women. They're Moabitess, and one of those was Ruth. Well, both of the sons pass away. The father passes away. Naomi has heard that there is grain back in Israel, is moving back, and daughter-in-law start following her back, and one of them is Ruth. And she, she says, please go back to your homeland. I have nothing to offer you 
please go back, find husbands where you're from. I just release you to go home. Well, one of them refused, and that was Ruth. And um, beautiful scriptures. Naomi, this is what she said. This is Ruth 1a. Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go return each to your own mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me, has said. There it is. That, that's, that's where you see that first. And then the other part is, so Ruth refuses to go. She says, she says this, nope, I'm staying. Your people, my people, your God, my God. Where you buried, I'm buried, I'm going. And I love that. She just, we use this in marriage vows a lot. Um, so Naomi says in verse 220, she says to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness, has said to the living and the dead. And the name, Naomi said to her, um, I didn't get, I'm, let me wait on that scripture, sorry. Let me finish the story and then we'll go back. So what happens is, is Ruth goes back with Naomi to Israel. And she ends up, you know, in Israel, people would leave the corner of their fields, did you know that, for poor people to get food. Did you know that? That's just customary. That's really why in a Jewish culture, it is very important to feed the poor. And so the corners of the field. So one day Ruth's returned. They've gone and Ruth and Naomi returned to Israel. Ruth's gone out to get food for them. She's out in somebody's field just trying to get the corners and bring food back to them. And so somehow she wanders into a field of a man called Boaz. And not knowing who he is. She's just in that field gleaning. She goes back. You know, and uh, he sees her in the field. Now, this is, must be a village where people know people because it's already gotten word to him. He finds out who's this woman in our field. And they say, it's Ruth. It's the daughter-in-law of Naomi. He goes to her and says, I've heard about you. Everybody knows about your Hesed. That you refuse to go and do what you, you know, to go back, but you are, have remained faithful to Naomi. So come, get food, get all you want, you know, be blessed, basically. So she goes back to Naomi. I'm just going to give you the story so I can give you my scriptures later. She goes back to Naomi, and Naomi, she says, hey, I was gleaning in this man's field, and he said, we can have all the food we want, and, uh, you know, and he's, he's just great. This is just great. And, and this is so cool. Naomi says, who is this man? She tells him, Boaz. And she says, oh, he's, a, he's one of our nearest kinsmen. So in that culture, okay, apparently I found this out. In that culture, um, you, you know, you, there's a responsibility when someone dies to take care of the widow or whatever. But that wasn't the case here because she was not technically the widow, but here Naomi owned a field, okay? And Ruth goes with the field, okay? So the story goes that Naomi has Ruth to go one night. This is kind of a, ah, who understands this now? <laughs> who understands that? 
she says, hey, when he's had, go up there tomorrow night, and when he's had a lot to drink and a lot to eat, you can go lay at his, field on the gra- at his feet in the grain pile. And I'm sure somebody knows more information about all that, but I didn't get that deep. So Ruth goes and lays at Boaz's feet, and he wakes up and goes, who are you? <laughs> and, she, you know, basically, he, I just think God just put something on the man's heart, and he just has it in his heart at that moment. He, there's an exchange between them, and um, he, he, he wants to redeem Naomi's field so he can get Ruth. Isn't that something? What a story. Now, this thing could go so deep in this story. I, I don't have time to do that, but it could be so deep. It's just really unbelievable. I mean, that book of Ruth is so prophetic. It's unbelievable. So that's basically what happens. But I want to give you a few scriptures of conversations that happened. Ruth 2.20, during that story, that says, Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his hased, his loving kindness, his faithfulness, to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, As the man is a relative of ours, one of our near kinsmen. And that's where we find that scripture. Isn't that good? Um, another one, 310. Then he, Boaz, said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. This is for you have shown more kindness, has said, at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. Isn't that amazing? The favor that just came on Ruth um, was, was really wild. So what I just want to say to you about the interesting thing about the book of Ruth is this. There's a chain of events that happen in the book of Ruth that leads to the birth of David and ultimately to the Messiah, Jesus. So you just see this thread is it's all through Scripture about this loyal love that will not relent. It just keeps going and going and going. And it happened through a whole chain of events, we see this, that there was a, I'm just going to give it to you, there's a special kind of loyalty that can be shown to one another, but also envelops all the far-reaching implications of God's loyalty to his covenant. Ruth refuses to abandon the widow Naomi. Boaz goes beyond obligation to show kindness to Ruth and Naomi. Naomi seeks a way to help Ruth. This is, look at this, this is so cool. Ruth offers herself to Boaz and encourages him to become her redeemer. Boaz extends his care to them both. Boaz goes beyond all of this and marries Ruth. He goes beyond the call of duty. There was actually someone else that could have redeemed her. And the community acts in confirming the marriage. Has said hills. Listen, this is really cool. A small community of relationship between Moabites and Israelites. Isn't that cool? And a small circle of people. And then ultimately, it leads to Christ. Isn't that? I love it. I just love the prophetic nature of scriptures. 
So, what actually happened is Boaz has to actually gather all the elders of the city together and um, at, the, at the city gate, they would make decisions. It was much like court being held. And these were, they were the leaders of the city. And he had, he wanted to redeem Ruth, so he had to call people together because there was another person who could have redeemed Ruth. And so he called him there and he, he got them all there, really, because in concerning marriage and divorce and all that stuff, you had to have more than a few witnesses. So these are actually people that are coming together to witness this redeeming of this field, which included, so he, he says, hey, bud, you're the next of kin. Do you want to redeem this field of Naomi's, this field that's out there. And the guy was like, there's only one hitch here. It includes Ruth. And the guy was like, oh, no. You, you can't. I get, I, that's going to mess up my inheritance. And so he refuses it. And this is all where there's witnesses going on, okay? And, and Boaz says, okay, I will redeem it. I just Don't you know he was really excited on the inside? <laughs> I think he really was it's after she laid at his feet. <laughs> so, because it did remain taking her as a wife. That's really what that was. So, I just think that's such a cool thing. I, the other the cool thing I like about this story is they had this uh, ceremony of taking their shoe off. And they would pass it. So, they all agreed, by the way. They said, yes, there's great scriptures on that. Be blessed. May her womb be blessed. And it goes on. And it... More has said is spoken over them, and it's really a wonderful story. But they take their shoe off and do some kind of ceremony. And I don't know if y'all, not many people know this, but when Byron and I were accepted in this church 27, six, seven years ago to be pastors here, there was just a small group of elders in the gate <laughs> in a circle, and they were actually come wanted an, ag an agreement that it was the right thing because we were actually getting ready to move our family here and sell our house we'd been courting for six months we were living in charlotte and um and it was it this story reminds me of that and chuck moore good old chuck moore he pulls off his shoe and throws it into the middle of the circle and everybody in the circle takes their shoe and throws it into the middle of the circle. It was a great moment. This reminds me of that. Isn't that great? And here we are. That was the set. Isn't that cool? There's a loving kindness being shown to us at that moment. So it's really, really good. It's really good. Mm. Mm. So... This transitions a little bit, though, into the greatest chesed ever we've ever witnessed is when God suspends justice to give what we did not deserve on the cross. It's the greatest. And really, the whole Old Testament is really building up to that moment in time. And that's the thing I just want us to see is... You know, we have a revelation of grace and what it is in the New Testament, but we need to see this graceful heart in the Old Testament that was leading up to this moment. Ruth is such a great prophetic story of that. Um, 
you know, we, we is such a, had such a commitment to us through the ages. The, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That commitment started at that moment. And it, go, it went through the Old Testament. That thread was running through. It's like a, a, a scarlet thread running through. This commitment and loyal love of God to his people. So this is, this is really great. So, and I, of course, it's by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But listen to this. This is so good. So we have Boaz sitting there, and there's ten elders there. No one would or could redeem her. And I remember Robin McMillan preaching this message many years ago that really impacted me when he said, that's the Ten Commandments sitting there that could not redeem The law, it couldn't redeem us. Thank Robin on that. I've actually called him. I called him once and said, remind me of that, you know. And he couldn't remember, so I'm going to remind him. So <laughs> we have such long history and has said with people through the ages. Things like that. We really do. It's a gift. It's a gift that we have as believers, as children of God. That this faithful God that lives inside of us demonstrates it even to one another. But here we are. He's sitting in that gate with all the counsel before him. Isn't this a beautiful picture? And Boaz, a type of Christ, he said, I will redeem her. I will redeem her. I'm the one that's going to go redeem. Is that just, I'm going to go do it. Nobody else can do this, Father. I'm going to go. I'm the one. I'm committed. I'll have said, I'll do it. Because I'm committed to the very end. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Wow. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Amen. Isn't that? Those are great scriptures. Great scriptures. It really says it so good in the New, in the New Testament. So... I want to get to this, the wedding vows. Um, we love the book of Ruth for...
So y'all, do y'all understand what I'm saying? That Jesus is our only redeemer, you know, and ultimately it's so prophetic because this whole book, ultimately Jesus comes with the lineage of Ruth. Isn't this something so good? Ruth and Boaz. So um, anyway, here's Ruth 1, 16 through 18 when she was, Ruth was telling Naomi, I'm staying with you. I'm Hesed with you. She says, do not urge me. And we read this at many weddings. Seth and Veronica. Yep. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death parts you and me. And when she, I love, this is the verse I wanted to get to because I see the heart of God in it. Verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. And I believe that's what Jesus said. He was determined. He was determined to redeem us. He said, I'm going and nothing will stop me. Nothing will hold me back from redeeming my people. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Let's just say hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Woo. So good. So good. So good. Woo. I love this in the book of Hosea. This is, there's, I've always had this phrase in my head. With, a, with Hosea. It's another great example. Um, Hosea, it's Hosea 2, 19 and 20, where it says, I just love this. This is, whew, this is really the Lord talking to Israel. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, said, in loving kindness. In mercy, I'll betroth you in my faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Isn't that great? And so what happens with Hosea is God tells him, I call this the go-again God. He tells Hosea to go marry a prostitute as a demonstration of his faithfulness to Israel. Now, remember, we're grafted in, okay? We are gra- if you're not Jewish today, we're grafted, you're in. And if you, yes, so he tells her to go again. So you see a faithfulness again. Isn't that something? And not only that, she is unfaithful to him. He goes and gets her. She's unfaithful. She goes out to the same old lifestyle again. And guess what? God tells her, go, tells him, go again, go again. And I think that's powerful. So um, it's really good. So you just see this Lord's commitment to us. Um, and I see, I see it in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. I want to pull something else together to you. Is, um, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and leave his wife, cleave, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. I want you to say that. This mystery is great. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. 
This commitment and this loving kindness is for marriage. His heart is for marriage. It is for vows of marriage to us, his church. This thread is running all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. It's running through it. And I love this. Um, so we, as believers, we leave the world and we leave our old life behind and we cleave to Christ. I'm going to tell you just a hint for, for marriage. It is the one thing in marriage, the precedence that is set for marriage that makes a healthy marriage is leaving and cleaving. It is well known in the counseling world if a, if a couple, a man or a wife does not leave or cleave in a healthy way that there will be trouble in that marriage. If they can't leave the parents and make their own family, if they're still clinging in there somehow, there's unhealth. And it's the same way for us in the world, is that we can't, we have to leave things behind. I remember the day when I was 16 years old, and I was still dabbling in both sides, and the Lord said to me, come out from among them. I heard it clear as a bell, and I knew what he was saying. I could not any longer hang with the old life. I had to leave and cleave. Amen. The great thing about it is what this really is, is we are in union with Christ. That cleaving is being one with him. It's just, you, that's a whole other message, but it's full in the New Testament. So here's a great scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. Now it is God himself, and this is his pledge to us. We're seeing this in the New Testament, okay? It's a pledge and a commitment to us. Now it is God himself who has anointed us, and he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his since he has also stamped the seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit as an engagement ring. It even has given a bride a down payment of the blessing to come. There's that covenant, loyal love commitment through the Holy Spirit. Listen, love the Holy Spirit. Love the Holy Spirit. This is the down payment for what's to come. That joyful bliss of eternal bliss with, with our husband, our maker. It's, what, it's a down payment. Do not, do not turn away from the Holy Spirit. Do not. And he's our engagement ring. He's the pledge given to us. Thank you, Lord. I love that song, uh, Everby. His love is devoted like a ring of solid gold. I'd love that. The, like a fire that is tested, like a covenant of old. Isn't that great? He, he, his love endures through the winter rain. So, amen. So, we just see this all culminating into the cross, his new covenant, into um, his said is there, you know, and I, I just, um, I love that scripture. For God so loved the world that he 
gave his only forgotten son. This is the ultimate chesed. Why don't y'all say it together? Come on. For God, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, have everlasting life. Isn't that awesome? So it's the act of man. I, I just want to say this. Um, you know, when it comes, I want to finish with this because I want to. Um, think it's important. You know, Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine is. You know that. So now I live with the confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. It goes on and on. I'm not going to read it all. You know that verse that He's lavished on us in Christ. Um, we do come to the end where, in the book of Revelation, where it's the Laodicea church. And some believe the Laodicea church is the last church. Like, and you know, Revelation is full of so many interpretations. I'm not saying this is it, but it's a thought. But it's the last church that Jesus addressed in the book of Revelation. Um, where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man would open and come, I'll come with him and I'll dine with him. I'll be in fellowship with him. And, um, you know, I think I've shared this before that that's really in those times the, the groom and the father would go to the door of the bride and they would knock on the door. They'd start knocking on the door. And if she opened... That was her agreement to marry him. Isn't that something? So that's really what he's saying to us. Will you open the door to my chesed, to my faithful, loyal love? Because this covenant is carrying us to the wedding feast. And that's really what this is all about. At the end of the age, we're going to see that. It was about redemption and about a bride. And I love, this is what I love about that. It's easy to open the door to the Lord when you understand said and his nature and his covenant heart, his faithfulness, the go-again God that doesn't fail us. It's an unfailing love that just keeps coming at us. It's really easy to open that door and say yes. And that's really all he's asking is for us to say yes. To receive it. Uh, Byron and I tell uh, couples a lot uh, who are struggling in their marriage. I heard this a long time ago and I believe it to be true. Is it's, it's not love that keeps the marriage. It's marriage that keeps the love. And I think us understanding that covenant of God's heart to us keeps our love. It helps us keep the love. You know, my, my love for Byron is based on a covenant. It really is. I mean, every time we do a, a wedding, I feel serious about it because I understand this covenant nature of God to a degree. And when we stand at that altar, I don't care who's in the room. I know we're standing before God because he's the nature of God as a covenant. And I believe as couples can enter into that, but... What a wonderful God we have that he's in covenant with us. 
You know, and we're responding to that covenant and his hasad, his faithfulness, his loyal love. It's just wonderful, isn't it? And the thing about it is, is it will carry us through the darkest of times, knowing that. Knowing that all through the ages, our God has been a God of Hasad. Isn't that amazing? So stand up. Just really pray. I want to just pray the Lord will. I, I really do believe this is the heart of God. I did not come up with this stuff. I mean, I mean, I did a study for it, but, um, but I think the Lord is really wanting to speak to us about His commitment to us, His loyal love, His act of love. He's not just—it's not a theory, okay? His love is not some theory out there. And to the point that he sings over us. Wow. It's a singing God. So, Lord, we just ask you right now. We just lift our hearts before you. Lord, we lift our hands to you. And we just ask you for impartation. Lord, of, of the word that was really, really the word that would go into us, God. It would go in deep, Lord. And that you would, Lord, just bring more and more revelation to us of your nature. Lord, to, to stay committed to us, to stay committed in your love to us. Lord, that it's not necessarily uh, up to just us, Lord, but you are a God that is committed fully to us. And we can see it so beautifully demonstrated in Scripture, Lord. And I'm just asking you today, Lord, that we would all come deeper and more into the coming days Lord, of knowing your nature in this way, Lord. And that not only that, Lord, so that we can come into fullness, as the scripture says, Lord, we can't come into that fullness apart from really knowing you in really all of these ways. There's so many ways you demonstrate love and, uh, and who you are as a God that is loving Lord, and so I'm asking you today, Lord, that you would come to each of us. Lord, this is not, this is for all of us, Lord, that we would know the height and the depth and the breadth and the, all of that of your love, Lord God. Lord, we're asking for it. Lord, we're asking to fan it into flame, Lord, so that we will be different people. We will be changed people from the inside out. And Lord, not only that, that we would respond to that, Lord, as people that are in covenant with you, Lord. And Lord, we're in covenant with one another, Lord, will we have has said for with you, Lord, and has said with one another, Lord God, and has said for our neighbor and our people that work around us, Lord God. So we, that is what fullness is, Lord God, and we're asking for that. We're asking for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let's just stand here just one second. Just let that rain down on us. Thank you, Lord. What a good, you know, that's, this is the goodness of God, too. It's, this is another, <laughs> this is goodness. Ooh. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you. And, Lord, we're asking for that goodness to manifest today in those that we know and love that are sick. Lord, we're asking for your said over those that are sick, Lord. 
Lord, there's so many, but we're particularly crying out for Buck Bumgarner, Lord. Your has said over him, your goodness, your loving kindness, your commitment, Lord, to him and Rhonda and the, and the boys, Lord God. Lord, we're just crying out for those around us that we know, Lord, that need a, a miracle, Lord God. We, Lord, you're a miracle God, Lord. It's, there's nothing short of you being a miracle working God, Lord. And we're asking you for that today. Lord, when we understand your nature, we can come in faith. We can come in faith before you because you're a faithful God. And so, Lord, we're crying out for that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Lord, just cry out for a minute, those that you know that are sick, that we can from this place cry out. Just, just take a minute and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to heal the sick that you know, particularly those in serious shape with COVID. We're just asking you, Lord. We just come before you today, Lord God, and we're crying out to you, Lord, for the manifestation of your goodness to arise, Lord, in these hospital rooms, Lord God. Just come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We're asking you in Jesus' name. Lord, your commitment and your faithfulness would manifest in those rooms today of people we've been crying out for who are sick, Lord, and in the hospital, Lord God and really are being given very little hope. Lord, we know that you are the God of hope. Lord, we strike down every negative word spoken, Lord, and we stand and believe that you are a miracle-working God. You're a God of hope, and that's where our faith stands, Lord God. We stand there. We don't stand on natural information. We stand on supernatural information, Lord God, and we're crying out for that today. And we thank you for the blood of the Lamb, Lord, today, that you all through history, Lord, from the the very beginning, you had a plan of your faithfulness and commitment to mankind. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Becky. Yes, it was awesome. Bless you. So I want to call the ministry team forward. If anybody wants to come, respond. If you'd like prayer for healing, if you'd like a prophetic word, we have a lot of people who are trained and love God and would love to minister to you. So we just invite you to come forward if that's for you. If not, we just say have a blessed day. Please remember to pick up your children and kids from the various nurseries and children's ministries, and we say have a wonderful day.